Authors Over 50, Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today is a respected speaker, purpose discovery coach for women, author, and ordained minister. She pursues the hearts of those she meets and desires to leave them better than before she met them. Driven by her own impactful life story, which is still unfolding, she has an unconventional style that is notably filled with humor, even in matters of truth that sometimes hurt and convict. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Greta Bates. Hello, and thank you for having me. Greta, our opening question on Authors Over 50 is always, so what took you so long to write your first book? That's an amazing question. Um, I would like to begin by saying that um, I was, I got pregnant when I was 14 years old and I had my first kid when I was 15. So as you can know, something that happening like that, that has a potential to, um, to delay life. But in that, I continued on as a single parent, went to, you know, school, graduated, went on to college. So one of the things is other than just being a teen parent and having three kids, it's mindset. Um, those negative beliefs that, you know, who am I to write a book? No one wants to hear my story. No one wants to hear what I have to say. And during the course of probably over the last several years, I wanted to write a book, but I kept finding myself in a caregiver role. Um, from the age of 14 to 34, an aunt and uncle, my mom, my dad, and my sister, they all were um, battled cancer, and I was the sole caregiver. So that also played a role in um, me taking on the responsibility of writing a book. But I will just say, Julie, the biggest thing was that imposter syndrome where you think, I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. I can't do it. So that's what I would say were some of the key hindrances. Well, so many of us have that imposter syndrome and it takes a long time to try to get past that. And you had a lot more obstacles than a lot of people. So welcome. And, and we're just so glad that you made it through to the other side, Greta. <laughs> Yes, it, it it was, you know, it was a struggle and it was a challenge, but every, everything that I've gone through um, in my life 
played a part in me being able to push through and write the book. And I'll share a little bit about, um, we'll talk about the book a little bit uh, later. One of the key things that really caused me to really birth this book and put it out there. Well, your book hasn't been published yet, but it'll be on pre-order soon. And so how did you proceed once you did write that book? Did you search for an agent, decide to use a hybrid, a small press, or did you self-publish? Um, I self-published when I made the decision to write the book. One of the key things that I needed to be able to get this book out and to continue to get the book out is, you know, finances. And when you don't have uh, finances to write the book, um, you take on or an option is to take on self-publishing. So I am self-publishing the book because I have so many like different talents, myself as an individual, self-publishing, just because you may not have the finances is not a sole reason to self-publish. If you're able to pull from other places and invest in yourself, by all means do that. But for me, I had the, the, the skills to be able to do a lot of the things that I needed for the book. So it made self-publishing an easier option for me. Well, Greta, what was your inspiration for this book? I know that you reach out to women of color, especially, and especially those who share the experience of abortions. How did you choose this ministry? Um, Julie, the ministry that I'm doing now is with my nonprofit, Hearts Unshackled. Um, but the book itself was um, it was kind of, it was on the scene before the work that I do now. And thanks for mentioning that. That is my, the passion of my heart right now. What was the inspiration for this book? A simple sentence. I was simply tired of going in my prayer closet and coming out with ashy knees and unanswered prayers. I knew that, that God was more than a butler when I needed something or a lifeguard when I needed saving. I knew there was more. So over 20 years ago, I developed this plan, a strategic blueprint of how to really go into your prayer closet, whether it's a physical prayer closet, but I also reference our heart as a prayer closet because when we are away from home and, and life punches us, we need to be able to go into that space, um, which is our heart and not a physical space. Um, but that's what the inspiration was. I knew there was a way to commune with God, to hear him and to get answers to prayers and understanding even when I didn't think the prayers were answered in the way that I thought that I expected them to be. So that was the greatest inspiration. It's just ashy knees and unanswered prayers. Well, amen, sister. <laughs> yes. What about your writing routine? Do you write every day? Do you journal? Um, I've been an avid journal for many, many, many years. Um, I do journal. I am. I think it's important when you're working on a book or you're writing a book is to find what I call your power hours. It's that time of the day when you have most of your energy. I'm a morning person. So I like to write in the mornings. I like to write before the sun comes up when, you know, I live by myself um, for the most part. I do have my granddaughter with me. She's going to school from here. 
But I like to get up early in the morning before the sun comes up, before the birds wake up, where I have that quiet time so that I can really concentrate and focus on doing what I enjoy doing. Now, sometimes I do write in the middle of the day and I write at night, but the most um, the most beneficial time for me is in the morning, but it took it took a while. It took a few years for me to figure out when those power hours were for me. Well, when the book goes on pre-sale, have you thought about any ways that you're going to publicize the book? Have you been doing anything pre-launch for the publicity of the book? Yes, I just had a, um, I have a graphic designer. Her name is Sharon. She's amazing. Um, I met her through an online resource called freelancer.com. And she has put me together like 40 Facebook, Instagram posts. And so she's, we did a book title change. So she's making all those transitions actually today. And I'm going to use another system where I'll just go in and place these in the system and it's going to automatically just post when I set the time and the date. So yes, I'm being very strategic with this. It is going on pre-sale. I will say now, no later than the 1st of December. And I know a lot of people say, hey, Black Friday is coming. Why don't you, you know, push it out then? But this is so important to me that I don't want this to get lost in the hustle and bustle that goes around one particular day of the year where a lot of authors, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but a lot of people um, want to really plant their feet on that. But I really want this to kind of stand out and to be focused on and not get lost in the shuffle of everything everything else. So you can expect pre-sales to, to happen probably around the 1st of December. And for you later listeners who are listening to the podcast, Greta's talking about December of 2022. Yes. Well, Greta, tell us a little bit more about the book and then read from it so that we can hear your tone and voice. Okay. Um, this is a, it's a interactive prayer journal. And what it does, it gives you the strategic blueprint of what prayer should look like. Now, I'm I am an ordained minister, and this book is an is a um, culmination of twenty years of actually using this process. And I'm going to read just a little bit um, from the introduction part of it. Now, it, it's an interactive journal, you know, but. Calling it a book is, is fine. It will be spiral bound. And I do have a picture printed out that I'm going to show here in just a bit. But it's a purpose-focused prayer journal. And it's interactive. And what you do, there's a process that you move through in it. So I'm going to read a little bit of, a, a little bit from it. And then I will kind of share a little bit more about the details and how the book is set up. Okay. It says, are you tired of ashy knees and unanswered prayers? Congratulations on investing in your prayer life. Every single time you enter and exit your prayer closet, fighting frustration and hopelessness because of unanswered prayers, your confidence in God's sovereignty may take a hit, and so may your heart. Every single time you enter and exit your prayer closet with answered prayers, you are building your spiritual fortitude and putting hell on notice that kingdom mandates, assignments, and agendas are locked and loaded for targets set for a sure hit. 
spiritual maturity, confidence, tenacity, and driving perseverance comes from unlocking and unleashing the divine strategies that I've put together that will change the trajectory of your life, those you love, and cover in prayer. You're making a spiritual development priority. You are sending signals to heaven, relaying that you are ready to experience more answered prayers. Answer prayers, fire up the once dormant embers of your spiritual momentum. Angels, God's invisible agents, are assigned to help deliver to you what's meant for you, your family, and everything you put your prayers to. The This is a quote. The angels are dispensers and administrators of the divine benefits towards us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, direct our ways and exercise a constant solitude that no evil befall us. And that's by John Calvin in the Institute of the Christian Religion one. And just another little snippet I have here. It says, this planner is the manifestation of a personally designed system I've been using for over 20 years with a great desire to share with you the blueprint <laughs> and strategies for a purpose prayer mindset and faith building habits, allowing you to avoid the ashy knees and experience answered prayer. Um, the model of this is it's a it's focused prayer. Sometimes when we do go into prayer, we're desperate, something bad has happened, or like in a pandemic, you know, death is all around us, we're, you know, loss of jobs. So in that moment, um, even in my personal life, one thing that changed everything was that when I went into prayer, I had an agenda. Now that doesn't mean that if you, sometimes you just got to go in and be like, Lord, help me. And that's all you got. But our adversary, he doesn't play fair. You know, he's not trying to just cripple, you know, punch us. He wants to take us away from God and away from God's plan. So the way the book is set up, it's 12 months. It's for a year. And each month has three sections. The first section is a petitioning section. And that's where you list your prayers, detail, the date, the name, who you're praying for, what you're specifically praying for for them and those are listed and there's 12 different categories i cover everything financial spiritual maturity family relationships your jobs your ministry sickness finances i mean healing finances and so everything is categorized in those petition pages you even have a pre-prayer that you pray before you go into prayer that kind of grounds your heart okay and then the next section of the each month is called the lord i'm listening pages this is where after you pray, you sit and look, because prayer is a two-way conversation. So many times I will go in and say, Lord, I need this, this, that, and the other, and please protect my children and grandchildren and do this, and then I run out. And I'm and I wonder, I used to wonder, what if there was something to bring a financial breakthrough or to bring healing that God wanted to tell me, but I was so caught up in dumping that I didn't stop to listen. So there's a section there where you just quiet yourself. It's I have a scripture base there and you just listen for what God tells you. And there and you write that down with the date. And if there's a name to a person that it's designed for, then you write that. 
And then the third and the final section of each month, which is my favorite section, it's called the gratitude pages. And this is where you log the dates and the people and the times of every answer prayer that God has given. And when this happens, when you're praying for someone and you're like, I'm not getting answers anymore, you can look into those gratitude prayers pages and see the faithfulness of God and it gives you um the the courage the and the and empowerment to keep keep moving so it's set up like that for three months and at the front of the journal there's pages where I give you samples of type of things that you will put into each section so it it is set up I've, I've been doing journaling and buying journals and using journals Julie for for years and I've never seen anything like this. Well, it certainly sounds like you are organized uh, for success and to set other people up for success in their prayer life. And I think anybody who reads just what you've read to us today will know how firm and how, how deep and how strong your own faith is. Yes. And Julie, I haven't always been like that. I just, if I, just have a minute here. I want to share a quick story. Um, that was the pit. That is the pivot of this book, and it's um, inside the journal itself. It was November of two thousand. Um, I have been trying to find a church, and I found a church home. And in July of two thousand, I told the Lord, I was like, "I'm, I'm all in. I'll never walk away. I'll never turn away. And I, I'm here for you. I'm here for the long haul. This is my life." Three, we just moved into a house in June of that year. November of that year, due to mistaken identity, my kids and I had <clears throat> two kids at home at the time, and we had our routine. We'd come in, you know, do homework, get ready for school, chores, prepare for the next day, and then go to bed sometime around 9, 30, 10. This particular night, Julie, it was just like <clears throat> we got extremely sleepy. And the kids were lethargic. I was lethargic. So the first thing I did, I checked the carbon monoxide, the gas. I was like, something's in the air. And so the kids said, can we just go to bed and do everything in the morning? I was like, that's a good idea because I'm tired. And the last thing I remember, Julie, is just sitting on the side of my bed. And I was going to, you know, just sit there for a minute and try to gather myself and figure out what's going on. That was the last thing I remember. Hours later. Well, yeah, hours later, I woke up with my husband at the time standing over me with this bewildered, fear-stricken look on his face saying, the house has been shot up. And when I raise up, there's drywall all around my head. And the first thing I think is, where are my children? And they were standing behind them. And I just took them and I took them on the other side of the bed and I sat them on the floor, kind of like, you know, a mother hen protects her chicks. But it was too late. The, the, the firing had already happened. Our house was shot up with over 22 rounds of cock piercing bullets. And we slept through the whole thing. So in the book, I share more details about that story, how God became real to the officers that came, how um, over 22 rounds came in and only two went out. There were trajectories that shown that I should have been hit. The kids have, would have been hit. And the way they shot the complete 
from one side to the other. There was not a part of our house or the cars in the driveway that were not hit with bullets. Had we woke up, we wouldn't be here to tell the story today. So you get all the details, the police report in the book, and that's going to be at the front of the book that I share that story. And so that let me know that my enemy was real, but God was more powerful. And so I've been, I've had a tenacity to bring prayer to people to let them know that prayer changes the trajectory of our lives. Greta, that is certainly a story to share. And for those of us who believe in miracles, you certainly had a real life miracle. Yes. And I wasn't sure if I believed in miracles before then. I didn't, I wasn't sure if I believed in angels and I often doubted with the struggles, you know, in my life, you know, being the caregiver to five terminating. I thought I was under some kind of heaven punishment for something I had did. And that was an abortion. So I thought that I was being punished. But I once I got my healing and freedom from my abortion and stepped out of the shadows of shame, regret, the fear of judgment um, and stepped into a more purpose filled and meaningful life. I was then able to really, you know, go after what I knew God had for me. Really amazing. Do you have any other books in you? I know you're still in the throes of trying to get this one uh, birth, but do you think you will write another book? Yes. Um, and this just was in, I'm in the process. There's a, an accompanied book that goes along with this journal, but it's going to come later. Um, my editor, we, after going through the book, um, she really wants to go deeper into the teaching on, you know, prayer and spiritual warfare and that type of thing. So um, she's getting ready to retire, retire from a major uh, book publisher. I won't drop any names, but after she retires, we're going to sit down together and really deepen with this book. And it'll be called the same thing, Armored Up. Um, focus, purpose, prayer. It'll be an accompaniment to the journal, but the journal has some highlights in it that'll get you what you need to go ahead and move forward in a powerful um, uh, prayer life. And I'm also working on my dissertation. Um, so that will be coming out, but that's probably going to be probably in the summer or fall of next year. And I'm also writing um, just the outline right now for a book that'll go with um, Hearts Unshackled Abortion Recovery called The Righteous Heart. Because once you have an abortion in your mind, there's no way you feel like you can ever stand whole and righteous before God again. And that's a, that's a wounded heart. And so I'm going to be um, doing a webinar on that that's going to help bring in the material for that book. That's going to be the, that's the newest one. So there's a lot of them in the cocoon of creativity. Well, it certainly sounds like you are writing about all the timely and current issues of our day. Yes. Cause with um, Roe v. Wade and all of the, there, I, I'm, I'm, over 50, of course, you know that. I just turned 54 uh, on November the 4th. But in all of my life, I've never witnessed so much chatter around the subject of abortion as I have recently with Roe v. Wade, even before that, and the Me Too movement, just so much coming out. And I found myself 
on a bed in fetal position, grieving a child that I never knew, that I never met, that I never connected to. And it dropped my heart to a place of grief that I wasn't expecting. And so what happened is when the chatter starts, it causes a re-traumatization for something. And so there's women out there who's dealing with that and they're, they don't know what to do with it with it. And so I am here to just come alongside of them, help them with their healing. I leverage um, as a purpose discovery coach, I leverage the power of purpose and total well-being to help them step out of the shadows of shame, regret, the fear of judgment, and walk into a more purpose-filled life, abundant, meaningful life. And what I've realized is that as a Christian woman, myself, as a minister, I was doing amazing things for the kingdom of God, but I was doing it wounded and didn't know it. And so now that I have my healing and freedom and I'm not that far ahead on the journey um, that I can't be sensitive to other women and reach back and, and, you know, lock hands with them and say, you know, God never intended for a past decision to sabotage our present and our future. And um, so I'm working on that and I'm a I'm I'm very passionate about that. And I know it's such a tough, touchy subject. And so I just want the women who may be listening to this podcast to know that maybe you wasn't expecting to hear the A word on this podcast, or maybe it caught you off guard, or maybe you had stuffed it down and forgot about it. And you're listening to this podcast and those things are beginning to re-traumatize you or it's beginning to come back. I want you to reach out to me. Um, I am a certified mental health um, first aid and so I have some training, but I have a lot of tools in post-abortive recovery to help you. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm here for you. Well, I can only imagine how helpful you are to those who are healing. You have such beautiful descriptions and you have such a compassionate spirit. So I just love hearing you speak about your life and your experiences. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Greta, as always, our last interview question is, our writers over 50 are a unique set. Do you have advice for writers 50 and above? Yes. Believe in yourself. Know that when you were created, when you were born, you had purpose. You are not just a person looking for purpose. You are purpose wrapped in a person. I believe that you have a book in you. So what? It was delayed. There's challenges, hurdles, life. It punches you. It kicks you in the teeth. It knocks you down, the unexpected. But if you're listening to me today, you may be limping. You may have scars, but you've survived a pandemic over 50 because you know over 50 during the pandemic we were like oh watch those over 50 for underlying conditions you are still here it's never too late whether you're 50 60 70 and upward it's never too late you have a purpose you have a story and there are people on the earth in this world that need what you got 
And what you have is so powerful that there is not another person on the face of this earth that can do what you were created to do. So don't sell yourself short. You're going to get no's. You're going to get, you can't do that. But you do what only us women over 50 can do. You burn forward with purpose, passion, and power. Well, those are powerful words, Greta. So thank you so much for sharing with us today and for all you do for, for all the women that you meet with and that you speak to and that you have your own podcast toward. And so we just appreciate you so much being with us here today and sharing about your journal. I know people are going to want to rush out and get those as soon as they're available. And now we're happy to say that you're one of our authors over 50. Thank you. And I just want to show you the cover real quick, if I can. Can you see that? Yes. A woman in armor. Yes. And um, you can, um, we'll have the information there for you. Armoredforpurpose.com. Uh, you can go and get on the mailing list. So you'll be one of the first to know when it comes out. And Julie, thank you so much for the opportunity to for me to be able to tell my story and to hopefully transform and impact hearts of women everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www dot julia daily that's d-a-i-l-y like daily newspaper.com until next time keep reading and writing and remember it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third